Welcome to This and That. My name is John Miranda, and I will be your host for this episode. This episode is about cars that I've owned. Some of them were jalopies, some of them weren't. The first one, my first car that I ever had, or gotten, was given to me actually by my father. It was a 1956 Ford Country Squire. It was originally a forest green. The interior was brown and it had, you know, Naugahyde with a Western motif. It had belonged to, I think it was North American Aviation, it was one of their company cars. And he bought it at an auction. He actually bought two of them. He had them painted white and he got that done at Earl Scheib auto painters. These guys, uh, I think it was twenty nine ninety five. then is what they charged to paint the whole thing. But, um, you know, it was definitely a, a discount car painting place. Very often they would um, not close the windows entirely and some of the paint would get in on the interior or on the wheel wells. I know I, I had a really good friend, Jim Pinella, who had a yellow station wagon painted at Earl Scheib and um, they got some paint in other places where it shouldn't have been. Anyway, this was given to me um, with the string attached of I could only drive it if I took my mother shopping, grocery shopping or wherever she wanted to go. And that was fine. I really wanted to be able to do other things with it, but, you know, beggars can't be, can't be choosers. The car, though, had, um, you know, some light rust spots started to show through, so I sanded those and then spray painted over them with a flat black. So it kind of looked like a, a Dalmatian dog. Because at the time, um, lowered cars were in vogue, but really cars that were on a rake, which is to say the front end was lower than the back end. So I got some spacers and I jacked up the rear end. It was also a four-door, and four-doors really weren't cool at that time. Two doors were. Chevy made a Nomad, which is just a, a really boss-looking car. But again, beggars can't be choosers. The other thing I did to it was I replaced the mufflers with what was called glass pack mufflers. These were noisy mufflers. They didn't have as much baffling in them and they were actually illegal. And sure enough, within a short time, you know, I got stopped for mufflers that were too loud. I had just bought them, so I was not interested in turning around and buying stock mufflers. So I got the idea of stuffing coarse steel wool that I had bought. And so what I did, the tailpipes, they, they didn't come straight out. There was two of them. They kind of went off at an angle. So about um, eight inches or so, five inches further back than the bend, I drilled a hole on both through both muffler pipes. And then I stuffed this um, material into it, then ran a bolt and bolted it so that when I started the car, it wouldn't blow out. But the problem was though, the heat of the exhaust pipe often, or within short order, would melt the steel wool. So I drove out towards, because I had to go to the police department and have them come out, right? And, and I had to start the car, and they had to see that I had fixed it. So I stopped a few blocks away from the police station, put in the steel wool and the bolt, and then drove up. 
And they came out, and, you know, I started it, and they had me gun it a few times and sounded fine, of course, and they signed it off. I left, went several blocks away, and took out the bolts and started the car, and the, and the steel wool blew out. The car was a V8, so it had plenty of power. And it served me well. I ended up selling it to a good friend of mine, Don Garvin, who lived a few blocks away when I went into when I went into the army. I'm not sure what happened to it after that. I had gotten licensed for several military vehicles. One was a two and a half ton truck, the other was a five ton truck. Also I got licensed to drive a quarter ton Jeep and a three quarter ton truck. A three quarter ton truck was actually assigned to me. Um, I was a surveyor, an artillery surveyor, and so I got the job of driving driving the guys to the site with all the equipment. And um, I made this vehicle mine. Uh, before my, my girlfriend, Pat, sent me a Dear John letter, I had put her name right above the door handle. And then uh, in the front of it, there was a, I had put a piece of wood and painted it and it had Runaway on it. And that was for her because that's what she actually did when we ran into difficulties with her parents and us being boyfriend and girlfriend, she ran away. Uh, but anyway, I ended up changing that because, uh, of course, she gave me Dear John. That was the end of that relationship. But there were some girls in Washington, some college girls in Washington State, and they wanted to be pen pals with some soldiers and support us. And so, um, gosh, I forget her name now, but her name went on the, uh, her name went on the, the door handles. My last station was in Germany, uh, a fort or a military installation in Baumhold, Germany. And there, there was like a, I don't know, I want to call it a, uh, it, was a it was a Volkswagen that passed from soldier to soldier as their uh, time and country uh, in Germany ended. And it was, a, I think it was a 49, might have been a 51, 52, maybe 56, as you can tell, I'm not really sure of the year, Volkswagen, but it was gray and it had the oval back window. And that served well for driving around hither and thither. I had gotten married shortly after I went to Germany and brought her, being Pat, we actually reconciled. And we used that to get around. And then I decided I wanted to buy a new one. And this was the only new car I ever bought in my life, by the way. And it was a, um, a 1969 VW light blue. And so we drove that for a while and went to France and a few other places tried the Autobahn. The Autobahn, if you've never heard of it, is a really fast freeway in Europe or in Germany. I mean, really fast. There's no speed limit. I got on it once and I remember seeing a car way behind me. And then the next second, I, I swear, I just took my eyes off of that and looked forward and that thing just zoomed, I mean, zoomed by me. And I decided, well, I don't think the Autobahn is the place for a VW bug. But I had that shipped back to the States when I finished my uh, enlistment in Germany. And um, we needed another car because I got a job working PT&T, Pacific Telephone and Telegraph. So I bought a chocolate 1957 Chevrolet. This was a nice ride. It, it had its shifter on the floor and the shifter was Hearst, which was a popular shifter at that time. Uh, it was uh, four speed 
I think it was four speed, maybe it was three speed. It had an aftermarket hood on the front with a scoop on it and some uh, aftermarket rims. And it was a really nice car. I really enjoyed that car. It, um, it got out of its own way. And it was a two-door as well, so that made it uh, even better. My wife drove the VW. After about a year, we decided that we were going to throw out our lifestyle and um, become hippies. So we sold all of our stuff. I sold the uh, 57 Chevy and bought a yellow and white Dodge van. It didn't have any windows on the side. It was an automatic, which I wasn't that happy about because sticks were cool, right? That were they were in, and it had uh, you know it had one of those things where the engine was in between the driver's seat and the passenger seat, and it had what was called a slant six engine. Engines were usually either in a straight line to pistons anyway, and they were vertical, right? This one was off to the side and actually was a really good and dependable engine. The van was very dependable as well, so we took that up to um, Oregon with us. We were, uh, it was it was south of Coos Bay, actually in a town, south of Bandon, a town called Langloy, in a uh, cul-de-sac. Uh, that's where we lived with a friend of mine who was in the cul-de-sac also. And then I sold that van, and um, we had some experience with that van. I'll actually tell you one. Um, me, Don Garvin, my brother, and Jim Jensen, we went out to a concert somewhere. I cannot remember to this day where it was. We were late, however, and there was no parking, so I just parked the thing behind a car, and we went into the concert. Um, Elton John was playing, actually, and uh, we had taken some LSD and marijuana. Actually, um, I think it was Garvin. Garvin um, was way loaded back by the time we got there, and he was too freaked out to leave, so we left him in the van. Anyway, we came out of the concert a different, out of, out of it, a different door than we went in, so we were disoriented. And I could not find the car, the van, actually. But eventually we did, and it was sitting there pretty much by itself behind this car where I had, where I had parked behind it, and the people were there, and they were pissed off. Well, we got that handle, and I, I talked to Don about it. I said, Don, you know, you, why didn't you open the door? Maybe you could have put the thing in. In neutral and backed it out and said that he said he was too freaked out you know the pounding they were pounding on the door and mind you he's loaded back so I'm sure that pretty much freaked him out but when we got to uh, Langloy I sold that I sold that van and I, and I had it tricked out by the way too I had uh, I had put paneling all on the inside and on the roof and and I had a, a, a green rug on the floor. I can't remember the name of it. It was really popular that time of there. It had really long threads in it. And then behind the driver's seat, you know, I had this uh, paisley uh, curtain put up there. And they had curtains on the back windows. It did have curtains on the back windows, the two doors. I replaced that van with a 1949 Chevy pickup, ton and a half, or half ton, excuse me. It was a real pretty blue. Somebody had painted a really nice uh, blue. It had, um, I think it was a 1500. The, to the right and left of the rear view of the rear window, rather, there were, there were windows. And that was kind of cool. Uh, it was a four-speed with Granny Low. Granny Low is a super, super low gear. 
And to start it, you you know put your key in the in the ignition, and then there was a like a little pedal sticking out, and you pushed on that, and that engaged the starter motor, and and it would start. And that was my my hippie truck. Uh, I had quite a few adventures in that. Um, now here's a crazy one. Um, what we would do on 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 moonless nights is we get on the on the on the road. And it was a two-lane road, and it was fairly quiet when we were where we lived. But we'd get on it, and we'd go for a drive, and we'd drop some acid or something, right? And then we'd turn the lights off. And uh, that was pretty stupid. Now they look back, but it, it was kind of adventuresome anyway. So Pat and I split up. Um, I'm going to actually do a podcast on my girlfriends, and I'll, I'll um, give you the data on all of that when I do that. And she kept the um, the Volkswagen. Uh, unfortunately, a little while later, she hit a deer and, and, and wrecked the front end pretty good. And I'm not sure what happened to that. But at the same time that my my wife and I and Pat split up, Wayne split up from his girlfriend, and he was up in Langlois. And he had this uh, international travel-all truck. It's what you could probably compare to an SUV today truck. It was comparable to uh, what an SUV would be today. Um, it was a four-wheel drive. It set up high off the ground. It also had a granny low. But to put it in four-wheel drive, you had to go get out of the truck and go around to the hubs, the front wheel, and you had to turn turn this gizmo, and that would lock the two front wheels. And um, we had a lot of fun with that truck. It was a really, really good truck as well, very dependable. It had a second gas tank, and then the pedcock or the knob to turn it on was under the front seat. So when you ran out of gas through the main tanks, you just the engine would start sputtering, right? So you reach under the seat and turn that pedcock, and it would start. And Wayne had painted uh, a black and white dragon on the side of it, which was which was really cool. But we had some good adventures in that, um, which I'll detail at another time. And but I was sorry to see it sell. We were living in Portland at that time, and um, I would look for it. I lived up there a number of years, and I would look for it from time to time, hoping I would see it, but but I never did. One of the things we used that truck for was to sleep in. We had gone into Portland and were taking some Scientology courses, but we were like dirt poor, right? So what I would do, or what we would do, is we would park the truck after we got off course at 10 o'clock or so in the Safeway parking lot, and we had sleeping bags, little military down sleeping bags and and it had curtains on it also on the inside and, uh, and uh, for the back and so and also curtains separating the the passenger area and driver area and and we did that for like 30 days while we took this uh, communication course and we showered there was a college nearby and when we needed to do that we'd go to that college and we would shower there and there were a number of other adventures we had with it as well but it, it was a swell truck after Wayne and I split up with our significant others, we moved to McKinleyville, California, Northern California. And I had decided that I wanted a truck of my own. We had the international travel law. So I hitchhiked to Los Angeles and I bought a 1951 Ford pickup truck. My dad helped me build a, a, a camper on the back of it. And uh, so I'm getting it all ready to drive back up north. And one of the things, you know, you want to change the oil, right? So I changed the oil. The error in that was that there were two kinds of oil at that time that you could buy. One was called wax-based, wax-based. The other was detergent. The wax-based oil had a tendency to 
builds up residue between the rings. The rings are the things that go around the pistons. They uh, go up and down with the piston and they're in very close contact with the piston walls. And what they do is they keep oil from splashing up from the oil pan into the cylinder and burning. And when the, when the ignition, when the spark plug goes off and uh, the force pushes the piston down, it keeps that force trapped in there and not letting it go by and down into the oil pan. Well, I didn't realize the guy had put wax space in it. He was an older guy. So, you know, at that time detergent was happening, so I bought detergent oil. I wasn't more than 30 or 40 miles outside of Los Angeles when I looked behind me and it's plumes of blue smoke. Blue smoke, by the way, is an indication of oil burning. Uh, and the, the steering was really loose. There was ball joints as part of the uh, steering mechanism. They were really loose, and I needed to replace those. Um, but I made it back to McKinleyville and decided I would just, you know, replace the pistons because that's what I thought, or actually the rings, because that's what I thought had gone, that had gone bad. Um, so I did all that right, and that was quite a chore, replacing the, the, the rings and, and other parts and uh, having to do with the pistons, uh, only to discover that it was still burning oil. And what happened was this guy who had it before me, he had driven it for quite a while and decided to bore out the, uh, the piston holes where the pistons go, right? So he had oversized pistons in there. So I ended up putting stock pistons, excuse me, stock piston rings on um, oversized bore or cylinder bore where the cylinder went up and down. And so it burned oil because oil was leaking, <laughs> leaking into the into the uh, combustion chamber. And so that was frustrating. And I ended up selling that thing. But it, but it was it was a, a fun it was a fun vehicle. You know, back in those days when we were being hippies, it wasn't cool to have new vehicles at all. You know, it was cool to have older, you know, trucks and and, and actually a VW van was really what was considered uh, the best thing to have. My cousin John Fernandez had one. He had a green one. Um, with oversized tires in the back, and and it was cool and everything, but those things were just dogs. Uh, the engines, although the engines were great and they were really easy to service, they didn't have much power. And so I wanted something with a little more oomph than that. So we ended up, Wayne and I, my brother, moving to Oregon, and um, we had a job uh, for the winter babysitting this lady's um, cabin. Um, you can watch another another podcast where I detail those experiences, which were quite cool. But uh, while we were there, we got involved in Scientology, and so we sold that truck, or Wayne sold that truck, and then um, he went on staff at, at a at a place called Delphi, which is now a, a private school, and and I went on staff at uh, Church of Scientology. Actually, it was a mission in Portland, and uh, I got married again. And uh, we had a Mazda. Her mother actually bought it for us. It was an older Mazda, but it had a Wankel engine in it. Now, Wankel engine had three major parts. That's all. A regular engine had a lot more than that. And the thing was a rocket ship. It actually had uh, special spark plugs you had to buy for it. It was a four-door, kind of a kind of a golden brown color. And, and boy, I had a lot of fun with that car. But I had got a transfer from Portland down to San Francisco to help start a new Scientology mission down there. And so I drove uh, the truck with our belongings and, and my wife drove the Mazda 
which uh, she got in an accident and totaled it. So that was the end of that. And for the time that I was on staff and lived in San Francisco, I never had another car. I would either borrow another staff members or use a bus system, which was really, really good. But I forgot to mention, um, I had uh, the next thing that we that I bought was a Volvo. Now I'm married a third time to Sheila, who's my present wife. And um, she actually owned a automatic Volvo 122S, which was rare. Simple engines. The engines were actually originally made for tractors, and those things just lasted forever. And um, But that was her car, and I wanted another one. And a good friend of mine who was a Volvo fanatic up there had a light blue Volvo 122S wagon with a aftermarket muffler, which was loud, uh, oversized tires, bit, uh, and custom rims, and stick shift on the floor. And this thing, uh, this thing was really fun to drive. Um, but it was loud. I remember one day starting it up. My daughter at that time, she must have been about three or four or something like that. And it really scared her. She was outside. And as the case is, and sometimes when you get overwhelmed by something, you try and become that. And my daughter at that time was trying on this identity and that identity, and she decided that she was going to be a blue car. But anyway, I had that car for a while. And at the same time, this friend of mine that I bought it from, he wanted to buy a P1800, which was Volvo's uh, sports car at that time. I think it was a 64, maybe. And, and this car was white. And we found one and bought it. Now, that car was really fun to drive. My wife, who can, she can wheel a car around, I want to tell you. But she loved it, and she was pregnant, and she drove as much as she could. And uh, and then we sold it, and we made a profit on that, which was, which was really good. And then I had one other Volvo station wagon after that, kind of a mustard yellow one. Stick shift on the floor. Uh, 79, I think it was. But then um, that ended by, well, actually I had one other Volvo when we moved up to Oregon. Excuse me, when we moved up to Atlanta. Uh, I bought one when we were here. And, and that was fun. And we bought a Corolla for her, a Toyota Corolla that she really liked. We bought it with 80,000 miles on it. And uh, that thing right now has uh, a little over 200,000 miles. And the only thing I've ever replaced on is a starter motor and, you know, then tires and batteries. And I think a bearing at one time. Um, and it's been a really good car. And from that, we decided, well, let's stick with Toyota. So then I bought a 2004 Avalon. That Corolla was a 2003. And... The Avalon is just, um, you know, it's, 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 you wouldn't call it a Lexus, but it's got the same body and that kind of stuff. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles. But that car, uh, the V6, that car drives really, really well. I love driving it. And, and that's where I'm at currently with the cars that I've owned that I've liked and, and some that I've not liked. Oh, wait, there was another one. When I was living in Florida, this is the early 2000s, I bought a... Uh, I bought a 1983 Mercedes E300, I think it was. The E stood for economy. It's had a little gauge on it, a little needle that when you were saving gas, you know, it would be in a certain area on the gauge. And when you were burning more gas than you should, it would go over to the right side. But a Mercedes, uh, God, that car drove like nothing I had ever owned before, nor since. And it had a big steering wheel, and I love big steering wheels. In comparison, the Toyota Corolla has this little thing that's almost like a 
toy car, steering wheel. But that car drove like a dream. And it had, you know, some bells and whistles in it. And the one, the person that I bought it from, and this, and this is going to sound a little odd, but he had it lowered. And, of course, I love lowered cars. I didn't mention that 49 Chevy that I bought once to specifically do that with. But anyway, this was lowered, so that was really cool. And uh, But unfortunately, we moved from there to Atlanta, and it started just stopping. You know, you'd be at a light, and the engine would just stop. And most of the time, it would turn back on, but... It got to be an annoyance for my wife, and we couldn't find what the problem was. I always thought it was some kind of electrical problem, but when you have a car that's that old, plus it had been down in Clearwater, which is hot as bejesus. So the wiring, I'm sure, had uh, gotten brittle, and somewhere, somewhere along the line, it was shorting out on something. Anyway, so that completes my vehicles. Some of them, anyway. There were more, but some of them that were somewhat uh, notable. That concludes this episode. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. I really did enjoy being with you. And I hope you learned something from this. Or at least that you're entertained in some way. Talk to you later. Ta-ta.